Hi, everybody. Welcome to Greg's Garage Pop and Co. Jake's Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. That's Bike9 and then a 1 and a 1.com, like, you know, 911, just like, you know. Have you talked to Alex at all? I haven't talked to him in a little while. Have you? Dude, all I know is he kills me. He, he'll send me stuff, and he's like a guy that I should be talking to once a week just for a good laugh. He cracks me up with some of the stuff he sends me. He'll just randomly text me stuff. He's great. So Alex Asante is the guy behind bike911.com. If you need some legal advice, go check out the website. Buzz him up if you need some help. Tell him Jason Pridmore sent you. And get on his funny text list. No, you don't want to do that. Hey, everybody. We're going to be talking about Pit Race, Moto America, because we just got back. Well, I got back home. Unfortunately for Jason Pridmore, or fortunately, he won't see home no, for this a is a for- weeks. This, it's a fortunate one. I got quite the trip planning going on right now. Now I got Simon involved. I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you are. MotoGP Austria, we're going to be talking about, and some news presented by RI. So give us the scoop, Jay. What are you, where are you right now, and what are you doing? Where are you headed? I am sitting in a United Polaris Lounge in Washington, D.C. I got out of the racetrack yesterday and tried to catch my flight to, uh, to Scotland, and uh, it was postponed and all that good stuff, as you know. And then, but I, I got something to tell you that I, that, that I didn't even tell you before we got on this. Cause you know, Greg and I talked before this, but I get on my first flight today out of Pittsburgh and this guy sits down next to me on my right. And, and, uh, you know, I said hi to him, hi back, you know, we talked for two minutes or whatever. And then, you know, just general chit chat, the guy in the aisle, not directly across from this guy, but just one up in front of him goes, Jason. Jason, and it was kind of loud in there. And I go, I go, I go, hi, are you Jason Primmore? I said, yeah. He goes, I worked with Greg White, Greg White, blah, blah. And I had to listen to Greg White. It's, it's great. He was a producer of yours on a show you did. Tony. English Tony. Uh, no kidding. Yes. So they were going up to Canada to film a show. Guy next to me was the, uh, you know, he's like the presenter of the show or he was, he was the um, host of the show. Hmm. And so I talked to those guys for a few minutes and he said to say hi to you and wish you well. And told him, I said, man, it's funny. I'm going to be doing a podcast in a minute in a lounge with G-Dub. So <laughs> That's pretty funny. That was about four or five hours ago now. But so he wasn't at the races or anything. Her. He was just leaving from Pittsburgh. Correct. The host himself lived there. I don't know where Tony lives, hmm. but, uh, but he knew about the races on the weekend and he knew about who won. And I don't know if he saw any of it on TV or whatever, but. Seemed like a super nice guy. I wasn't sitting next to him, so I didn't get to talk to him much. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, he said to say hi to you. What was the name of the show again? Oh, man, I can't remember. Come on. that's You're nuts. Can't remember? How many shows have you done? Three? Two? How many have been canceled? Every one of them. I'm not a boy. I've done a lot of yeah, shows, dude. Should. I've actually done Hey, you know what? They... You, Nobody's I've, I've probably I've, Nobody's... I've probably hosted over twenty shows in my life, but oh, have you? Yeah, but only like one is only people mostly only know one. But well, the thing is about him is you must have been in your earlier years because he still liked you. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm in this lounge, and uh, I'm getting ready to head to Scotland, and I've, I mean, listen to this. You want to share just a quick rundown? I got four or five days of golf in Scotland, which is going to be really, really great because I've got some connections over there. And then I'm playing with Sam and Alex Lowe's. Sam's not playing, but he's going to be there. Your boy, Steve English. All all the guys are going to be there. And then I'm going to go to a round of BSB at Cadwell Park, which I've been dying to go to. Go see the jump, you know. 
I don't think Toprak's going to do the jump now because he didn't just get hurt. Or yeah, he had a big yeah, crash, he got I think. hurt. Yeah. So he was supposed to be there doing the jump, and I don't think he's going to do the jump now. So maybe I'll do the jump. Anyways, I'd end in tears if I did that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go from Cadwell and then hang out with my mom for a few days, take her over to Dublin, and then now Simon's involved because he's over there doing a commercial. He's like, why don't we rip over to MotoGP for the weekend of like the fifth and sixth at Mizano? So I think I might go to MotoGP. I mean, why wouldn't Possibly. you? Why wouldn't you go to MotoGP? Why, I don't know. Why wouldn't I? Jesus. I don't why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? You know, I come home you, know, you know a few come people home. over there. Yeah, I know a few people. Come home September 6th and then head to Jersey September 8th. You go to MotoGP. You take yourself a notepad. You, you know what I mean? You ask one question. It's a business trip. What are you going to do? Done. What are you gonna do? It's all. It's all. It's a write-off. It's a write-off, that point. baby. Well, it, I mean, it is your business, isn't it? I mean, you know, we're there in April when they're there, and we get to yeah, find out it, stuff for the podcast and it's grid. I'll talk to see Cam a little bit, see SDK maybe, and uh, Joe. Be great to see those three guys, yeah. anyways, and just say hi. And uh, yeah, you know, I've raced at Mizano once at World Superbike, so it'd be fun to go over there and watch real riders go around. <laughs> be great. Anyway. Let's get to the news presented by Arai. Um, well, this is going to be interesting because we kind of started talking about this a little bit before we started recording, and that is the news that's dominated did. just before the weekend started was that MotoGP is going to have a new sprint race format. So it's beginning next year, they're going to do it at all the rounds, they're saying. And basically, the race is shorter than the regular GP race, which is still on Sunday. All that remains the same. It's going to be half distance. Uh, and it's worth half the points, okay? Now, what I wanted to do is kind of read you a little bit of a quote here. There was a question that basically said, do sprint races result, do sprint race results count in the MotoGP record books? And the answer was no, the sprint race results will be listed separately. Dornis Sporting Managing Director Carlos uh, Espaleta said, quote, in the end, this is not another Grand Prix race that we're adding to the weekend to the format. We basically changing one practice from a uh, for a sprint race, which gives points. Meaning that from now on, for the historical data, it will be the Sunday that continues to give the GP winner. So the winner of the Grand Prix will be the winner of the race. Then historically, the riders will have one more row of data, let's say, on their profile. So a rider will have a number of fastest laps, a number of poles, a number of podiums, uh, for which it will only count the podiums on Sunday and a number of victories. And from now on, they will have a number of sprint race victories. There will be one more row on their profile. So that's it. There'll be podium for the sprint. There will be a podium for the sprint race, but it will not count in the total number of podiums that the rider has. As you know, finally will be the GP winner will be the one that wins the race on Sunday will be exciting for fans. Mm-hmm. All right, so that kind of clears some things up. So there was some interviews done on MotoGP.com. I think it was free. If it was free, I, I was going to rip it like and, and play it, Jay. But you know, there's so many different riders, uh, MotoGP racers that they interviewed that I would have to like say, okay, this is Jorge Martin. This, is yeah, Jorge. yeah, yeah. So I decided not yep. to do that. So anyway, the the vast majority of the riders said the same thing. It's better for the show. It's going to bring in more fans. It's more exciting. There were a couple riders that were kind of like, eh, eh, I don't know. Uh, it's physically demanding. Uh, it's going to be 44 race starts because we have 22 GPs, that type of stuff. So I'm curious 
as to what your thoughts are on the sprint race format in GP and the big change, because if the one thing that Dorna is not known for is change, they're not really huge fans. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's really weird because initially when I saw this, I, this was something that I kind of had expected before, to be honest, like Saturdays can be kind of boring. Um, even at the MotoGP races that we do at Coda, when we're there, they're, I don't know, they're kind of boring a little bit. Free practice four is kind of boring. Um, but on the flip side of it, I think that what makes Grand Prix Grand Prix is that it's a little bit, the bikes are so special. It's just a little bit different equipment than what you see at World Superbike. So initially I'm like, eh, I don't know if they needed to go that route. Will this bring in more fans? Will it, Greg? I don't know. I mean, will it? Um, but, uh, as I wrestled with it a little bit, I'm like, man, to get to see these guys race a little bit more, the thing that spoiled it for me is the thing I told you about is that it's going to be a lot more frantic racing. It's going to be a lot more non tire conserving. There could be some more aggressive passing, which we all want to see, but that just means race control is going to get involved even more. And I think that that side of it could tend to be more of a shit show. Um, and that's, you know, look, you're going to get guys free for all in these sprint races, which is good. And now tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. I haven't really read up on it, but if I was, the, the qualifying is still qualifying. That does not change your grid for the second day or any of that stuff. Right. That's so where correct. You Q1 and Q2 will still exist. This basically replaces free practice four. So they do Q1 and Q2. They probably move that to the morning or Q1 Friday and then. Oh no, Q1, Q2, they'll do that that whole thing in the morning, right? The 15 minute Q1, Q2 sessions. Yeah. Then they'll have a sprint. Then they'll have a sprint race. That would be my guess. Because they, they do it after that right now, right? They usually do free practice for Yeah, they do they go Q1 and Q2 in the, Q2 the Q2. afternoon. And yeah. then after that, the day is over for MotoGP. Yeah. So it's going to take, it's going to require some stuff as far as schedule changing and things, but that's not a big deal. And I think for uh, from a rider's perspective, it does put them at more risk, but they also should be able to increase bonuses if they do win a sprint race. I think that Dorna playing down the fact that it's not considered a real win in the Grand Prix world. Um, I don't know how they do it in World Superbike right now. They they count Johnny's wins in sprint races as his total, correct? I believe. You know, I don't know. I mean, I've I, never I, I've yeah. never heard different. Is yeah. it, it like a hundred and something wins? So I got to think that those include sprint races. I have to think could be wrong but i haven't heard any otherwise so when you when when the main organization downplays a race victory uh, that looks a little weird to me um i realize that they want to try to keep the the nostalgia of the grand prix itself being on a sunday and they don't want to water down the idea that you know guys are winning grand prix that are half the distance of what guys that have raced in the past you know what i mean yeah so, so I guess there's some things that I got to read into. I unfortunately haven't been able to read anything about it today because I've just been on the go. I'll, I'll, I don't, I don't take off for another few hours, so I'll be able to do some reading on it. According to what I'm looking at on the World Superbike website, they count those as wins, right? That's that's like what I'm I look saying. at Johnny's so wins, and it's like race two, Super Pole, race one, race two, Super Pole, race. You know what I mean? Like in terms, correct? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That is a bit interesting. Uh, there's another perspective, I think, and, and a lot of the riders really understand this. I don't think people really understand that MotoGP in the last two years has completely tanked. 
I mean, since the exit of Valentino Rossi and with no real marquee Mark Marquez around, the ratings have dropped off. The attendance is dropping off, that, those types of things. And Formula One does this at a select races where they do like a, a Saturday sprint race, you know, to kind of. Oh, do they really? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Yeah, they do it. Didn't even know. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the bigger thing is, you know, Jay, when I started doing TV in 1997, we used to joke around and say that we're the shit between the commercials. And then there was some truth to that. There's truth to it, you know, up until really probably the last 10 years. You know, mm-hmm. a, a good program is designed to hold an audience till the next set of commercials, right? And it's, but it's also right. designed because the majority, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but the majority of networks earn money based on an average daily rating. Okay. So the average daily okay. rating is important of where you fall in your cable system. Like when you pay a cable bill, I know a lot of people are pulling the plug. But it doesn't matter if you're a la carte. It's the same thing. When you pay your cable bill and you have 200 channels, your money gets allocated to your cable provider. But then literally 25 cents could go to ABC. 24 cents could go to CBS. 11 cents could go to speed the old speed channel, whatever it was. Right. So right. literally that's the way it happens. So it's really critical when the network goes back to negotiate with all of these different cable providers, you know, whether it's, you know, DirecTV or, you know, whoever it is, AT&T and Dish Network and all this kind of stuff. All the, those rates are determined, so they kind of understand what their budgets are as long as these networks keep them. That's why when mm-hmm. we say ESPN is losing viewership, ESPN hasn't had enough of a, a viewership to hold on to Tier 1 anymore. Nobody watches it to the point where they're hold on Tier 1, plus people are canceling their cable. So they're that's how they're losing households. So when you look at it that way, that's the way it used to be. But there's been a fundamental shift as of late, Jay. And what we are as motorcycle racing, MotoGP is the same, Formula One's the same. It makes no difference. We are now content creators. And we're content creators that are designed to get views. Now, that can Mm -hmm. go across the spectrum, Jay. 20-second TikToks, you know, 30-second TikToks, uh, a minute, 30-second Instagrams, uh, eight-minute, you know, YouTube clips. It doesn't matter. It's about content creation. We're no different than the woman who unboxes Barbie dolls to 20 million people on YouTube making a killing. Mm-hmm. My point of view is, is that if this is an entertainment business that in five years from now, no one's going to remember, no one's going to know the difference. No one's going to be exhausted the first year or two. It's going to take a little bit of adjustment on the team's parts, on the riders part. You know what I mean? To, to figure this out. I mean, we used kind to do that what, way with all, ch- all, all changes like that though. Don't you hundred percent? Like, there'll be, but the you bottom know. line is, Jason, is that we know from tracking numbers, mm-hmm. and this goes to MotoGP, World Super, it doesn't matter. If there's no consequence to it, like you're saying, like Saturday's kind of boring, right? There's no real right. consequence to it. It's like you don't even get a point for pole, right? It's just like, hey, great, right. you get to sit on the front row. So they make a big deal out of it. There's really no consequence. A race has consequence. I mean, that's, that's what the whole show is about. So adding yep. more content that they can push out. Think about how much content Moto America has, dude. You know, you yeah. get Saturday, yeah, Sunday, you get those multiple classes. There's content to push out. In MotoGP, yeah. you get three 43, 45-minute races to create your content with. Then the rest of it is all off-track crap, you know? Unless right. there's a crash in free practice, unless there's, you know, something spectacular, it's kind of like, nah. So adding another race, I think, is more along the lines of the entertainment deal than anything yep. else. I did talk to some, I was talking with, um, uh, I was talking with 
Mauricio, who is um, Petrucci's crew chief, of course, is very familiar with the MotoGP paddock, you know, works directly with Ducati, uh, also his data engineer. And we were just having a quick conversation about the impact of it. Or do you think that FIM is going to have to release more motors? Maybe there's six motors or seven motors because of this, you know, that type of situation. What do you think is going to happen with tires? And his initial thought was, if you're going to take away free practice four and you're going to add a race that's half distance, nothing should be different. You know, it really shouldn't be right No, And he said, really, if you look at a race and you look at practice, the, 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 the load that's put on the engine and the wear and tear, you know, those types of things, it, it doesn't really matter. They're still ripping the thing at high RPM. It stood, she'll be, uh, stood, should still be the same. And, uh, so yeah, and that, and that aspect well, of it, I think it's really just going to be as Zarco said in his interview, Joanne Zarco is like, look, we've had the same schedule. Think about it. You have 20 races a year. You know exactly what time you need to get up in the morning. You know exactly what time mm-hmm. you're going to go to practice. You know how to feed yourself, how to deal with your crew, all this kind of stuff. And he said, it's just going to be a change. We're going to have to figure it out. And I think, I mean, it'd be interesting to look at, but I think that the free practice four is a 40-minute session. I think a lot of these races will be like 25 minutes long, probably. I don't know too many tracks that there's two-minute lap times. No, no, so you're right, were, you're right, you're right. So, so yeah, yeah. It might even be less, and I know that it's, uh, you know, it, it, Greg, I mean, you'd have to go through every track and every race to see what tracks are two-minute lap times. I don't think that there's too many of them out there, if there are any. I know, um, I'm trying to think of us when we played, well, like, well, MotoGP stuff, but yeah. No, but, but even still, it's going to be half the distance. It's going to be half the distance, right, Jay? So, of a Grand Prix, it, Right, yeah. so if, if it, you have to figure it this way. If, if the Grand Prix is 44 minutes, which a lot of them are, then it's 22-minute yeah. race. Right? That's what like, I'm saying. That's it. And a, and a free practice four is 40 plus minute or is 40 minutes, I think. I can't remember that either. But um, we don't get to watch too many free practices four in California because I'm in bed. Times <laughs> so those are going off. But uh, I'm, actually, but yeah, I'm it, actually trying to find the um, – like I know on the on the website they do have like the, the schedules and stuff like that. I was looking for it but while you're talking just to, yeah, just to see. But. Yeah. Well, I just think that anyways, I think that when you look at some stuff um, – you got to just see what it's going to do. I, I know they have a ton of rounds. How many rounds a year does World Superbike have? 13. You think of these guys going to 22 rounds. It's a lot. I mean, it is a lot, and it is a lot of exposure to risk. But, I mean, like like anything, Greg, you sit there and you go, well, they're they're pushing hard in free practice four as well. Um, so free practice four right now is 30 minutes this year. 30. 30. Okay. So, it's, so with the time they spend in the pits, it's probably going to be right around the same time. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. And that, and that's probably so. why it makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. in, in that sense. And, right. you know, there are advantages, Jason, as you know. I mean, you know, think about it. you and I started and we had one superbike race, you know. Yeah. And it was on Sunday. It was a premier race. And then, you know, Cameron Gray and, and Isan and the boys came up with, you know, the Big Kahuna Nationals. And we started in racing Atlanta. two. Yeah. And we started racing two. And World Superbike was doing it. And, you know, we see definitely some advantages to it. Now we're in the flow, obviously. We're in the rhythm the whole paddock is. But, you know, it's like learn on Saturday, be better on Sunday. (laughs) I I do agree with that, too, that riders can now test their equipment in race trim. I know that they'll probably be using softer compound tires for a sprint race than they would for a longer race. I think the, the other cool thing is, let's say at rainbow days on Saturday, you can see how your bike worked on rain tires, make adjustments and race on Sunday. I mean, there are going to be pros and cons as there is with everything. I think that you have to take it 
uh, didn't didn't I also read that it's like a two-year thing? It's like a two-year test. They're going to run it, and then they're going to compile the data and see if it works, and then they'll continue if they want to do it after that. I did read something along those lines. It, that could be. I, I didn't I hear thought, anything, yeah. I, and I didn't watch the entire press conference um, that was posted on MotoGP.com, but I know I know that it was like a total shit show. Like I know one thing, because I'm on Twitter. All the yeah, I, That's so great. You were just getting ready to say what I was saying. All the miserable MotoGP journalists over there. Are, oh, this sucks! And oh, blah blah blah. Like, oh my god! Stop you crying. I, I swear, if you didn't know any better, being a MotoGP journalist would be the absolute worst job in the entire world. Yeah. All those guys do is bitch and moan. It's, it just it's cracks me crazy, up. Crazy dude. Yeah. I mean, don't get don't me wrong. It. I I I love the fact that they do their job. Like you know. Correct because i love reading this stuff and some of the journalists I, I enjoy but dude it is like it is that feeling isn't it it's like oh, oh it's it, no tweet oh. is a good tweet it doesn't seem like i mean every now and then <laughs> they'll throw something out there to bait you that oh that's nice and then it's usually like got some weird inner reference behind the wall of, of what they're actually writing and it's like god stop bitching all the time it just i have heard yeah, rumors I, you know, I have heard rumors jason <laughs> pridmore that there are non-English writing journalists actually that are that enjoy their job. <coughs> I think I need we need to find them. I need to learn how to speak Italian or, or Spanish German or, or yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I can read some of those. Yeah. It's just it's like one moaner after the other. It just cracks me up. And I know I don't know if it's just for clicks. I, I don't know why. And it's just so sad that we live in a world where that is what people are gonna. I mean, we're talking about it right now. I mean, that, that goes to show you. It's just like stop your whining, stop your bitching. I see that we didn't have too much. Um, other news. So I wanted to bring something up because I know you have one more little news item. But yeah. before you do, yep. did you <clears throat> did you see over the weekend um, that that you know Paul Spargo is going now to KTM, which is going to be Gas Gas, right? It's yeah, gonna it's going to be the Gas Gas factory team. So that's what that's looks, what Tectoa is going to be. Yes. Yep. And did you see? I, I I'm reading a little bit while we talk, and I think it's great because did you see now where Pit Buyer has gone back to Oliveira and offered him a three year deal? Because apparently he's going to go to uh, Aprilia, right? But now, basically, they are going to get, I don't know if it's his next year or the years ahead, but they're basically going to have factory equipment with the Gas Gas project. And that could lure Oliveira back to the Aprilia side of things. And then I also read where Gardner, you know, uh, Remy Gardner is without a job and yeah. Fernandez right now is without a job. And yeah. um, it's it's really an interesting – that whole thing over there seems really, really interesting to me. You know, the gas gas thing is good, actually, from the perspective of, you know, KTM owns Husqvarna and they own gas gas. So when you see those – you know, if that's news to you, well, you know, congratulations. You're now that's on the news. know. Yep, yep. And, now you know, you obviously know. the same thing on the on the moto side of things. But the but the gas gas brand actually attracts a much younger audience than than the Husqvarna brand or even the KTM brand attracts. Mm -hmm. So it's a very good move, and I think Dorna really likes it too because the way that they leverage the gas gas brand could also drive some younger traffic and some younger you know some younger uh, a, a younger audience to to MotoGP. I like the color schemes, you know, they stand out and stuff. So I think you know you look at that and you say, okay. If I'm Miguel Oliveira, it's not really that bad of a deal. You know, it just hundred percent. It, it's not like all of a sudden KTM can just poop out four identical factory bikes. I'm sure that there's gonna have to be a little bit of this person gets a part on the on the KTM factory team, and then you guys, you know, I, it has to be like that at some point. But yeah. I think uh I'm pretty excited about it. I'm sure that Herve Poncharal, who I haven't spoken with 
about it. But I mean, think about it. Hervé Pancheral, who's been a support team, you know, Yamaha for years and this and that. Now all of a sudden he's a factory. It's gas, gas factory racing. And I, I love the branding of it. And I just hope that everything is exactly the way we think it's going to go, which is that they get full blown factory gear. The bike looked trick. The photo that they showed yeah. it looked really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked really, really nice. Yeah. And that is good for Hervé. You know, he's been over there. I mean, that guy's been over there for 30 years or whatever. And it's like great to see him get that opportunity. And, and, and then it also opens up the rider market of, <coughs> excuse me, if, if Oliveira decides to jump ship to the RNF team with the Aprilia, that's going to be a 2022 bike that are currently being ridden. Mm-hmm. Um, does that does that open the door for Remy? Does that get him a Does that get his foot in that door to be able to go take that spot again? Or well, that's the thing. Like that's the thing you have to think and, about, right? Like if Garner doesn't have a job and Raúl Fernandez doesn't have a job, which mm-hmm. Raúl Fernandez is, he'll he's going to ride next year, whether it's GP or he's going to go back to Moto Two and and you know do that thing. Mm-hmm. If those two guys don't go back, then then who's coming? I agree. That's I don't know the question. I don't know. There's I don't, more, I don't obviously, Davizioso has gone right, um, and you know what I mean. Like blah blah. Like there's a, there's a lot of shuffling to be done. There's jobs available. Let's put it that way. There's jobs. Yeah, and your available. boy a girl will be on a MotoGP bike possibly next year. So I mean, there are things. So you Greg writes here. Do you see the Moto Three race uh, by the way? No, I didn't get to yet. Uh, I, maybe I'll just maybe I'll unplug my headset. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you so. all about it. I'm gonna tell you all great, about it because you're gonna have to suffer great. through it. Because I dude, I don't want it. I don't want to know. You're gonna, this is the podcast. This is what we do. I you don't stupid. Care. Yeah, but this is what we do, and I don't want to listen to it. I want to watch it. Stop. Fine. When it. I talk about it, you could mute it. We'll see if you can. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Hey, the factory teams were in World Superbike tested at Catalonia over the weekend. I'm reading your stuff here. Did you, you read know? it. John Ray was the fastest top rack. Hurt himself. He ra- yeah, I see what you did there. He racked himself. That's cute. You like that top rack racked himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Himself. That's cute. It's called wordplay. Word yeah, that's play. cute. Thank you. Yeah, I sighted himself, didn't he? I saw that. Yeah, um, went to the hospital. Says he's okay. I saw a picture of him. Um, but like I said, that's probably going to eliminate the jump at Cadwell this week that I was looking for. Uh, maybe, maybe like you could test- jump on the bike. Let's call. Hey, let's do it. I mean, you bringing your leathers? Yeah, right. No, I'm not bringing my leathers. I'm not. No, I'm not doing any of it. I'm just. <laughs> I just want to go watch. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go over there, and and it'll be fun, Al. Of course. I said something to, to Lowe's about it. And he's like, oh, there's a great golf course there. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, shaky. Shaky know, burn if you're listening to this I, I podcast. Make he's it happen. Good, make make it happen, good, Shaky. He, he he told me at Laguna to come over. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him up anyway. So Shaky was – what a gentleman. What an awesome guy. And I, it's funny because, you know, when you meet guys like that, you kind of ask around like, hey, what what's he – you know. And I've just heard nothing but tremendous things about Shaky Burn, which – like forever, awesome. actually, for forward. forever and ever. And I've never heard, never ever heard one bad thing about the guy, not mm-hmm. one. And I'm man, sure he's run just... somebody off in the weeds, and they, they, you know. Oh yeah, somebody. What do they? What do they? What do you guys that? say? They what took the piss. Do? They took the piss, or something. I would say. Yeah, well, that's that's when you're making fun of somebody. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I see. So. I don't know. Anyway, hey, yeah. and I get to see this. So that you're... is your news presented by Arai. Are you do your read? Oh no, I'm not. You didn't do your read. No, I didn't do my read. Did I? Hey, uh, go to RyeAmericas.com and look up helmets. All right. That works. <laughs> mm. I think Jeff would be cool with that. Like, you know, it's dude, I've got to take a picture, man. I got the freaking Johnny Ray uh, uh retro. So when they when they when they rode, when he and Alex Lowe's rode those bikes when they had the retro paint jobs, the old ZX7 yep. paint job, and then the ZX nine hundred or whatever the heck it was, the ninja nine. Yeah, the red from and black Pops. one. Top Gun, when they rode those, Johnny had a replica or had a helmet painted, and Arise made that replica, and I have it sitting here, and I've had it for days. So I, 
I got to take a picture of it and, and put it up on the uh, on the social do, medias. Do you get to see or have you seen any BSB at all this year? Like actually watched any of it? No, not a single lap. Yeah, so I've been watching it, and um, uh, Rory Skinner and Lee Jackson have that the green paint scheme that Johnny ran at. at uh, oh, like their bikes? Phil, their Phillip bikes are that whole color their, all year. The whole thing is there. That's that's their scheme. That's awesome. It looks sick. Yeah, and it's so it's so great because it's so easy to see them. Cody Wyman's got that like '90s throwback theme. He, he theme does too, which I love with the little pink and the green. That's great. Yeah, it's great. So G Dub and I, uh, Greg, man, you made a big drive last night. What did you have? Seven hours? Seven and a half. You just killed it all in one shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Seven up. Hour I got up drive, at, I got up man. at six a.m. and <laughs> worked, and then drove home and got home at like eleven forty last night. It's a big one. That yeah. is a big one. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Greg and I over the weekend were lucky enough to be at Pittsburgh, and we had a change in the points, didn't we? Um, we certainly did. I, was I have pumped all the results about the weather. If you need them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I might. I, I'll get you to. I'll get you to read through some of them here in a minute. I think, uh, you know, the takeaways from the weekend for me, obviously, Gagne is just proven to himself or proven to everybody that when he's on, he's on. When he's, I mean, look, Greg, he's given these guys enough rope this year, hasn't he? To Plenty. to really maybe taking advantage of this, and when he finishes, he wins, and he wins in dominant fashion. He gets up to those quick dart starts that we talk about all the time. Don't even know how what else we're supposed to say about it. I talked to him yesterday <laughs> a little bit. I talked to him a bunch over the weekend. Yeah, you did see him if quite you, a bit, didn't you? If you met if you were in a coffee shop and you met Jake Gagne, you would in a, never in a bazillion years believe what that guy does. No. Like you'd never think that he's a motorcycle racer. No. Ever in a million years. Dude, let me tell he's you something. He's such a mellow guy. He's a yeah. mellow he's a really good dude. So my buddy Kevin, who you know, his son yeah. Wells, who's Wells is seven i think yeah gagne really doesn't know kevin from anybody but they've been around the racetrack now a couple of years and stuff and and every time gagne sees wells he's always super nice to him this this weekend he took wells um and kevin up to the transporter and opened mm-hmm. up his drawer and allowed wells to like dig through the drawer and wells was like can i have this knee puck and he's like sure and he's like can i have this glove and he's like sure and then gagne signed it for him like he's such a nice He's just that dude. You know what I mean? He's a great guy, man. There's no great there's representative. No agenda. Of, he's of just everything. nice. He's a nice guy, you know? So, yeah. And when he talks to me, he just like, we talked a little bit about how the move went for him to go to Durango because I had just gone to Boise and there were some people there that had kind of talked about Durango to me while I was there. And so I brought that up to him and, and he's just, uh, yeah, he just, he's super comfortable with who he is, what he's about, how he goes about his process of what he does. And and when you look at him and how he acts, it's pretty exemplary of I think of how a lot of kids or people sh- sh- could look at and go, man, there's nothing wrong with him. Like you could look at him and go, he's just a good dude, and he's having a blast riding, and he's dominant. Um, this weekend, the first thing I noticed on Friday when I was out watching Greg was, you know, Petrucci raced there the weekend prior, and I figured he'd come out ready to rip, and he was, man. He, he from First practice, he was fast, but it took like Gagne like three laps to go quicker. And it was like, wow, you know. And 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 Danilo, to his credit, I really honestly believe Greg that bike is hard to ride. Like I don't think it's an easy ride for him. Um, and and I could be off base here. I could be no, no, no. I don't actually, want to. Necess- no, let me <clears throat> let me jump in here real quick because yeah. I didn't tell you this, but I did have a conversation with his crew chief, Mauricio. Look, we there is no mystery that the 
the Ducati is developed around Pirelli tires. The Pirelli tires yeah. are softer. They're also NT technology on the front, no growth. It's different. Okay. When you come to the States, our, our carcasses are just a lot stiffer. They're not as forgiving. They're just different. They work great for us. That's what we ride on. The Ducati mm-hmm. just is not suited for it. And I'm not trying to make excuses. It's literally no. just a function of the bike. And if you look at the way it's designed, the engine is a, is a rigid member of the frame, right? You have like the head unit that, that attaches to the front of the motor and then the swing arm shit attaches to the back. And so you don't have the tunability that you have with the twin spar frame like you do on the, you know, the, the, the R1 or the, the ZX10 or the GSX-R750, whatever, you know. BMW, whatever, BMW, yeah. Like every, you know, and so they're really struggling with it. And although yeah. Ducati has given them more resources, so I said to him, Jason Pridmore and I were having a conversation on Friday, and Jason says that when he gets to a certain point and pushes beyond that point, that that's when things get violent, like things get ugly. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah. he starts laughing, and he said, yeah. He goes, if I could show you data, which I can't, but if I could, he goes, I could show you exactly the point where it happens. It's like when I can he, see it, though. But yeah, and that's the thing, Jay. Think about how bad it really is if you can <laughs> physically see it. As opposed to, you know, it's like, yeah, it, it's really weird because you, when, when I sit there, it's like, I feel like, you know, it is my job. It's my job to be able to convey a message to the, to the people that are watching us of what I see. And that's, that's why I'm sitting in the seat next to you. And I sit there and I watch it, Greg. And what ends up happening is I look at the lap times that he's running. So he runs, let's just say for whatever reason, a minute 42 flat, right? I look at him run those times and he just sits there and hammers them out and then, all of a sudden, Gagne goes 41.5, right? So then Petrucci's like, oh, got to get to 41.5. He gets to like a 41.9, 41.8, and it's like, but then you see a whole different interaction between rider and motorcycle at that point. And it could just be what you're saying. I mean, when something is a little bit stiffer and there's no give, that could be what also wears the rider out. And the it's it's I just think it's so difficult. Even when you're on new tires, you're you've got to remember, when you get on a brand new tire, that's when the tire is at its best. But if you're not used to running a certain pace and to just have to do it for that one lap, like you look at Cam Peterson on the start on Saturday when when he actually hung on to the back of he hung on to the back of Gagne for that first lap, didn't he? He did. It was amazing. He hung like, on I to was the like, back. He was right there. I, I I wanted to go up and find Cam during the week and go, that was amazing. But it was almost like this gigantic adrenaline dump just went as he came across start finish line after the first lap and it was like oh my god oh my god and it was like (laughs) like that's what it takes to go that pace like whoa and you could see it but the fact is the kid did it that's the amazing part is he did it he's the only one this year that has done it where it's been like kind of able to go with Gagne just literally off the bat I remember uh Petrucci doing it I think in race one at uh VIR but um but like when you look at what Gagne's role is it's get out front early break these guys and go well cam did it for a lap but it was weird he was 0.2 ahead at the end of the first lap was Gagne over cam and then it was like one second or 1.1 on the second lap it took cameron everything he could at that moment and it was like it's just too much like you can't ride like that every corner every lap that's what he's got to learn to do for those first five or six laps is stick on Gagne. so next time it's like for cam if he can go two laps that way or if anybody can go two laps where they're sticking on the back of him that's like a that's like a bonus right right the other thing too is like Gagne is not putting in the effort that Cameron Peterson put into so Gagne is not getting worn out because 
the way he does it is so is so like effortless and different because of how he controls and makes his speed with the rear end of the motorcycle, you know, where Cameron Peterson had to like, that was, that was new territory for him, you know? So I would imagine, I didn't talk to him, but I would imagine, you know, if we, if we as human beings had energy meters on us, he like, he like burned it, man. He he burned through that one pretty quickly, you know? Well, I was so pumped for him because I had to be such a boost for him. And we made comments about it during the race or during the show on Saturday about like, wow, that just took, I mean, it was amazing because he actually, to be honest with you, Greg, it actually, he closed in on Jake on that first lap. Cause I remember he actually came across cause he started from the second row, but he came across with a faster lap of the two. And it was pretty, it was really impressive. Why don't, why don't you give us some Superbike results? All right. So, so in race number one of Medallia Superbike, it was Gagne who wins by two seconds over Petrucci and Matthew Skultz, who is, you know, has a fractured left wrist and Cameron Peterson, uh, those two, that was a, uh, a three, it was three, la- um, three starts. So there were three red flags or two red flags. Yeah. We had three starts in the race. Uh, and so that's why that was close. So it was a five lap sprint race. Uh, Lewis, Jake Lewis uh, was fifth. Hayden Gillum, Hector Barber, Corey Alexander, Ashton Yates, David Anthony, and then Posh, Flinders, Lewis, and Dunham. So only 14 finished. We started with like 23, 25 riders, but it was weird. Yep. Race two. On Sunday, yep, it was weird. Full seventeen laps. Gagne wins four point eight seconds to margin of victory over Skultz. Petrucci was third. Cameron Peterson fourth. P.J. Jacobson, who crashed uh, out of the short five lap sprint race, um, was in fifth place. Escalante in sixth. Gillum, Barbara, Lewis, Ashton Yates in in tenth place. So those are the results. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always good for us to kind of see compare like day to day in terms of like total finish total time that type of stuff but Gagne was the only rider to even dip into the 140 bracket he goes 140.9 the next fastest lap is a 141.5 by Skultz and you know Gagne just has that you know in his back pocket and it's the same thing as it always is the first lap is unbelievable from a standing start and then he just puts the hammer down for five laps and then goes into management mode and the funny thing is, Jay, everyone knows he does it, right? It's yeah. it, it's there's no mystery <laughs> to it. And and we've seen yeah. guys like Maladin do it. Then we saw guys like Josh Hayes do it. Like it's been around, the idea's been around. It's a matter of who can get it done, who can duplicate the effort. It's it's literally like you know that the guy you're fighting is gonna is the the best punch he has is an uppercut. Yeah. You know going into the ring. Yeah. The uppercut is coming, and you're like, I'm going to prevent myself from getting hit by the uppercut. And no matter what, it figures out a way to land. Dude, you know what it and is? It's it's uh, it's back to school, man. You know, if you're in the diving competition, you got the triple Lindy. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> you, do you know what, what are you going to do? Do you even know what I'm talking about? I have no clue. Uh, oh, was it? Uh, what, uh, you're, you're talking about a movie, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about yes. when Rodney Dangerfield's son yes. goes to college. He comes. That's right. And he does. His was kid called. was on the diving was... team, and he they call him in. Lemon. Lemon. I think it was called yeah, the triple. What was the name of the, the movie? Back, back to, to School. Was it Back to School? Back yeah, to school, Rodney. Yeah. I do remember that now. Yep, yep. So, like, <laughs> I do remember. That was Rodney. That's actually good for Rodney. you. You're not the biggest pop icon guy out there. Not all, but I know. I know Rodney. Rodney's in Caddyshack. I'm going to remember Rodney. Yeah, there forever. you go. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Gonna sure. Remember him. Sure. Um, I think I think when you look at a few things too, a, the red flags. The red flags in the first race, um, 
I had some people ask me why, 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 like, you know, why were the red flags? I think the second one was for, uh, wasn't the second one for Ezra? Didn't Ezra have a motor go or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Second race. Mm-hmm. So, and then, um, the, the problem with Pittsburgh, look, I think Pittsburgh is a rider favorite. I do. I think everybody really likes going to Pittsburgh. Um, the track layout is great. People love that part of it. The, the problem that you have is there are a lot of places that are just hard to get to, right? Yeah. There's it's a lot not, of places it's not, I, it's, it's, it's an amazing racetrack and a lot yeah. of racetrack for the amount of acreage that they actually consume, yeah. which is and not so, a lot. And so that I think <clears throat> lends itself to some areas that are difficult to get to or riders end up having no place to go after they crash or after they stop. So when you have a problem, when you have a problem, if they can't get to a bike, can't get to a rider, Motor America has to do the right thing and you know keep everybody safe and throw a red flag. It's a bummer because I'm glad I'm glad race two went. You know we didn't have any disruptions. We didn't have any two. red flags was, on Sunday. We, us a broadcast? Did we? I don't think we did. I don't believe we did. No, no, no in uh, Super Sport, no in Junior Cup. I I saw they had one late in Twins Cup, but I was already gone by uh, then trying to catch my they flight. Did. Yeah, me too. Yep. Uh, and you were gone too. Um, so I didn't get to, I didn't get to watch that race sadly. Uh, cause I like to just be able to watch all of them, but, um, yeah, like Matthew Skoltz, great weekend for him. I, I heard you made some comments tonight about the team softening up the bike for him. And we heard him talking about how him not being able to run off into corners, which is one of his biggest efficiencies, I think in the sense that he charges everything too much, just he overcharges everything. And with a bit of a buggered up wrist, it makes it, harder for him to do that um he he to me really impressed me this weekend even the passes and the things he was able to make in race two race one was a bit of a shit show for him because escalante uh made a mistake in turn three and matthew got pushed off track and he came back through the field i think he would have finished third regardless in that because remember he'd caught that group yeah i think so we're battling for third i think matthew would have ended up where there that day but i think he could have fought for second had that not been the case um and you kind of like you look at it and you go, man, I hope Matthew maybe learned a little bit from something like that. Like, like for Matthew to make that next step, he's got that raw one lap speed, two lap speed. He does. Um, we've seen it in qualifying. Uh, it's a track too that he goes really well at. And I feel like for Matthew, it's, it's, if he learned anything this weekend by them softening the bike up, it made it, you know, it made it maybe more rideable for him on Friday. Um, and I know they probably made some changes after that. Um, but then on top of that, it maybe proved to him that you don't have to charge every corner to, to do well. I mean, at the end of the day, he finished what race two he's 4.8 seconds back. And I know, I know Jake controls these races, but he was a pretty clear second. The thing that I really wonder about is that is, is the wrist injury that has forced him to slow down into the corners and forced the team to redo the bike, whether it's ergonomics. They also, you know, talked about the actual, uh, you know, some electronic changes. If, if that's the direction, if that's the mm-hmm. direction they're going to go in, it's going to be really interesting to see um, what happens next year. You know, if he's back to the team, I mean, you know, I, well, I, I don't, yeah, you know, make, I don't, it's just got to make that step, man. It's just that it's like, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's one step in the ladder that he's got to, that he's got to make. All these guys got to make that step in the ladder that I talk about, you know, in 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 the race. Because Jake just, I mean, the guy went 39-3, broke the lap record in qualifying. 
was it? What was he like, Greg? Was he like 0.8 quicker than the next guy? Uh, in qualifying, yeah. And he Amazing. was like he was 0.1. He was 0.1 ahead of the the, the, the yeah the lap time. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, pretty pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, Camp P had an interesting weekend. It, like for me, on the weekend, it'd be interesting to talk to him. Uh, there was an element of. I felt like a little bit of, it's so hard to say this, but a little bit of overriding the bike. Like he kind of, there's been races this year where he just looks super polished and like he's kind of getting it. I think he'd be admitted that, like he would admit that there were races this year that were a little bit better for him than this weekend. It was like, he was just a little bit off. Like there was extra movements in the body and things that kind of made me think that he wasn't as comfortable. Well, yeah, this I mean, weekend? I can tell you this, that when we were in Park Ferme after, I don't want to, maybe it was Friday after the second session, I was in Park Ferme having a conversation with him and Matthew and a couple other other riders that were just there as they parked their bike and were getting ready to roll out. And I looked down and I noticed that his right knee puck was a little bit uh, more used than his left knee puck. Mm-hmm. And he said the thing that, you know, Jason, you know, as you have owned schools, and I used to do this when I rode and raced, he said, I'm not as comfortable on the right side of the bike, so I dig my knee into the asphalt more. Mm. And yeah. yeah, I've heard that before. I've done it before myself and stuff. And so I never really circled back around with Cam P to find out if things got better on the right side. But it's something that obviously you saw, you know, and I, again, yeah. it's just something I didn't tell you about because it just kind of slipped my mind, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, look, it's, it's, uh, it's hard not to be a fan of him. I, I really like Cam a ton and I want to see him. And I also feel like I also really do believe this, that you need this year on that bike to go to all these tracks. And then once you have a great off season and maybe look into yourself a little bit about what you're going to change. I mean, every rider at the end of every season looks at different motivations and different ways of going about things. And I don't know how much Cam watches races back or any of that stuff. I definitely think that the fact that he's got a two-year deal and he's he's a great guy for a team. Period. Like he's um, he's good with he's great with people. He, I think he's easy for the team as far as getting along with, and he's a tremendous writer. So you kind of think to yourself, like the second year, I think next year, some of the stuff that he's learning this year. I think I do believe that there are going to be some tracks that are going to be harder for him to click with than others on a new bike on a weekend, even though he's got the arguably the best team around him. Um, he's still going to put that pressure on himself to try to perform. And yeah, anyways, I, I, I'm, you know, I want to see him move forward and, and continue to do better. Uh, Jake Lewis, good to see Jake finish fifth in race number one, race two, a little bit further back. And I think he was ninth, but I don't know if that included a, shortcut which we'll talk about here in a minute but uh i think hayden gillum man that guy deserves huge huge shout you know greg on the weekend i was asked i was asked if i had if i put a team together what riders in the paddock would i choose if i had to choose two superbike riders do you have any idea what i might have said if you had to put a team together and I and I had to choose two superbike riders that are not currently on the grid on superbikes. Who would I pick? They have experience or don't have experience. They're just not on the superbike grid right now. But you'd put on superbike on proper superbikes. Like who? If there was a you know, if all of a sudden you had factory equipment given to you and you go, okay, I want to go pick him and him. Uh, you uh, would and pick, not, you would pick they're, Hayden they're, Gillum they're, and Corey Alexander. Yeah, hundred percent. Those are my two. And 
I, I rate Hayden. I yeah. rate Hayden so high. Um, I think he's a tremendous writer. And I, we had a good chance to sit and talk with him after the stock thousand race that he won on Saturday um, and talk to him a little bit about the bike he's on. And, you know, he was talking about the superbike motor, how it pulls a lot harder. He, but he doesn't have, he's kind of got a hybrid superbike. He doesn't have, he's got a motor that's fast, but not the electronics to kind of control it. He could have a little bit better fork, could have a bit better shock. So it's kind of like, you know, he's trying to, he's, they're trying to do their best, that disrupt racing team with what they have and giving him stuff. But when you look at the results he's putting up, um, you know, just for instance, on Saturday, you know, he, he, he beat Hector Barbara to the line, um, you know, probably in a sprint race duel on, you know, three red flag old tires. I know on Sunday in race two, he ended up seventh, but he, he was another one of the riders who got a, a penalty. But his times, if you look at it, like PJ Jacobson, PJ Jacobson's best time, 42.5. Richie Escalante, 42.4. Hector Barber, 42.6. Hayden Gillum did 42.4. So he would be a guy who I think I, you know, I rate quite a bit. And of course, Corey as well. Corey's having a great year. So hey, I, anyways. Can I, let me circle back around real quick to the, I, yeah. I just want to talk about the Cam Peterson thing. Um, yep. When we look at, when we look at say Jake Gagne in his first year on, yep. you know, on, on, uh, Stan Bowley's team. Yep. After 17 races, so I'm literally adding up another possible. Actually, now I can do the math. So after 16 races, Gagne had 253 points and was 97 behind uh, behind Cameron uh, Cameron Bobier. Yep. Cam Peterson is at 241 and only 49 points back. Like, yep. but if you look at like the way that those two kind of have gone in terms of close finishes and all that kind of stuff, Cam Peterson's having a really good season. You know what I mean? Having a great season for for first yeah, yeah, first yeah. year. You know what I mean? Like, like sorry. Yep. So I got distracted by that because I know it's something that we've been talking about up till the midway point of the season, um, and it's too bad that he finished fourth twice because he had I had a run of podiums going like for the last like eight or nine. But anyway. Yeah, and there's nobody um, harder on himself that we know. I mean, I know Matthew can be difficult on himself when he makes mistakes, but yeah. Cam can be pissed off and frustrated when he's in winter circle too, and it, it which is fair, fair play. These but guys he always does win. the right thing, man. He always says the right stuff too, though. He you does, know? and he does, and I think too that for Cam that he, I mean, look, everybody that rides for that team, uh, with the exception of one guy, seems to love that team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when you look at things, you go, that team is really, really good. And there's some great personalities under there um, of guys. They just got a close-knit group. And Cam probably feels the responsibility of wanting to help Jake a little bit too at this stage. But Cam's still in this thing for the championship. He's not out of the championship with two rounds to go. Like 49 points back, anything can happen. I mean, literally anything can happen. Yeah. So he's just got to keep like his head down and do what he's doing. It could rain. I mean, I hope it doesn't rain in Jersey, but oh. let's not get into that. I don't really want to get into. No, it. let's not um, get into that. Should we go? Let's to the get next into some. Class? Let's go to Super Sport. Rocco Landers, man, he was on it. Did a great job again. I thought that uh, you know, winning that first race on the first day by six and a half seconds, picked up right where he left off, and uh, and Brainer did a really good job. And to his credit, Heron got pole position, and then you know put the tire that he felt comfortable with on Sunday, and goes out and kind of reestablished himself as the guy in that class um wins by five seconds over Rocco on the second day Rocco won by six and a half the first day 44 515 uh for Josh the first day 44 4 
for Rocco. So the second day, though, Greg, don't you think it's just the pressure that the pressure that Josh put on at the beginning of that race, like you kept talking about, it was 1.3 second lead after the end of the first lap, and just and he just checked out. Like and he could run those times up until the time he made a mistake and ran off the grass. Yeah, I mean that's that's really what it comes down to. You know, the, the day before Rocco, you know, was was quicker. I mean, the race time, Jason. Race one, which is still sixty. Oh, that's right. No, it got cut or it got cut short, didn't it? It got cut short. Just barely. Race yeah, one but, got but, cut but short. But they took that time know. out. Okay, because I'm sitting there going, like, wait a second. You know, there really was, I think, only 15 laps that were recorded. It says 16 on the sheet, but I'm like, wait a second. Rocco did that time in a 26, 21, 26 minutes, 21 seconds, and Heron did right. a 2807. It's like, yeah, well, actually, if you just ba- it, if you, yeah. literally if you back out, if you back out like a, a one minute 44, it's pretty close. Or, or even like a, probably back out a minute 46, you know, towards the end of the race. Yeah, towards the end of the race. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. But but I think it was important for Heron to win that race second day because at the, you know, you look, when you have a guy that comes in and starts winning, and I think Heron talked a little bit about in his, one of his interviews that he said, he was like, you know, probably been thinking about the championship a little bit too much and they went with a tire. When I got the tire sheet on Saturday, and I don't know why I didn't mention it, but when I got it, I was like, well, that's interesting because all year long, Josh has been on extra softs on both front and rear. And I noticed that his rear was a soft on the, on the first day. And I was like, huh, didn't think much of it. And then, of course, that was what we kind of come to find out later was the, the problem. And, I think um, that was – I didn't talk to anybody over there, but just knowing the conversations that had Friday – about the endurance race that they ran and what Petrucci wanted and what Josh liked. And I think the conditions of the track, I think it was one of those things where it was like, eh, eh, eh. I think, I think they thought might, maybe it would have been the safe choice, but mm-hmm. you know, look, man, you know, they're not going to be the last team to outthink themselves in racing. No, no. And look, when you got a 70 something point lead, you can do whatever you want, but like, like, but, but, but to your I'm- point, Jason, there's no way Josh wanted to just go, <laughs> Lose, 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 lose. Yeah, lose. he didn't want to finish and, and second end up winning all the, the way championship, out the championship by fifty something no. points, right? Like there is no. no, he's not that guy. He's not even close to being that guy. And so no. I think it he was it was good out. for him. You know, he kind of it sounded like that after Saturday that he went in and had some words with the team was was a little bit you know was acting up a little bit because he apologized to the team. Remember that in his interview? And and I was just yeah. like, all right, well, you know what? But, but sometimes you have to do that. I mean, that's the one thing that I think a lot of riders don't really realize is that, and Jay, you can speak to this better than I can as a rider, but, you know, when you have your team structure in there and you have, you know, a, a crew chief and you have mechanics and all that kind of stuff, you as a rider are, you're also a leader on that team. You know, it's not just the crew chief or it's not just your tire technician or whatever. It's, it's, it's on you to, to, to show that passion sometimes. Right. You, know, yep. you got to pick and choose your battles. You don't want to be known as a whiner, but you know you go in there and and you effectively use your passion to to get your point across, and it can motivate people sometimes. And also, the people that are working really hard for you, you know, there's a rider that you and I both know, Jason, that I watched, and I'm not going to name names, but it was during the heyday, and you know the the team used to complain because this rider never got really upset about anything, good or bad, pretty even keeled, pretty happy about stuff. And I remember, yeah. you know, in the late stages of that rider's career that people would be like, well, I don't know if he really cares if he lost or not, you know, and it's, yeah. it's the nature of who he is as a person, just a really super nice dude. So I think every now and then it's good to, you know what I mean? To, to get a little bit, little chippy, you know, to motivate yeah, people to, to make sure they're on the same a, path doing the same thing. It's a balance, man. It is a balance. And, 
Not everybody's the same. Ty Scott, two-third place finishes, rode really well, I think. Adapted to that bike pretty well. Uh, the first, you know, both days he finishes about six seconds back. And they learned uh, a ton. Se- they learned 10 a ton. Seconds back the f- 10 seconds back the first day, sorry, but uh, or race two. Um, same about lap times. I thought Mesa, great to see Mesa. Dude, he rode so well. Mesa ends up going fourth and seventh on the weekend, seventh and fourth, actually. Uh, Benjamin Smith, I thought, rode really, really well all weekend. That's probably the best weekend I've seen Benjamin have in a while. Like, he was actually in a fight. He was in a fight for third. First day, he was really in the fight for third. Fell back a little bit at the end. Second day, he wasn't quite as close. 44, 45-0 um, to a 45-1. So he actually went a tenth quicker the second day. Hayes, poor Josh, just seemed to struggle all weekend, even though the fastest lap of the race for him was on his last lap on Sunday, which shows that it's not a fitness thing. I, I think that – Oh, no, gosh, no. I mean, Josh is super fit. He is not – going to be happy with where he finished this weekend he like look i'm watching him ride and i'm like i know josh just loves to ride a motorcycle loves mm-hmm. it like loves riding uh but yeah he's he he's, had the second fastest lap of the race jay on on his yeah. uh, no that's not true i guess Corey no. ventura did a 45 417 wait was that the okay was that the fast lap of the race no it's a yeah oh no yeah. wait hayes oh sorry hayes did a 40 a 45 5 i thought uh, and no, forty-four-five was the fastest. So just just ignore me. I'm an idiot. You're, well, that's that that wasn't because of that fact. You just tried to spit out. You're no, an uh, idiot for many reasons. No, no, it was, um, it was just that one slip up. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, the Super Sport rolling on. Hey, um, Heron's got a huge lead. Let's talk about Junior Cup. And to be fair, Greg, there's only one guy you can really talk about in this one this weekend. I mean, Cody Wyman has just gone ahead and said, "All right, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of this championship now." And I mean, what do you say? Let every practice session. He even the one in the morning warm up that was wet. He uh, let every uh, he led uh, qualifying, got pole position, and then legitimately led every lap of the second race. I mean, we haven't. I don't think we've seen that this year. Have we seen that where Cannot anybody from that. junior? I I don't think that that's happened. Gus Rodeo rode amazing. To keep him honest, um, Cody was just. It was funny because they were both better than each other in different sectors. Gus definitely had that first sector covered and Cody had the second sector covered. And, um, you know, for Cody Wyman, I don't, yeah, you, you might have to look up his points lead for me. I just got the results, but, um, Dude, you know, Gus rodeo, four, yeah, 40, Gus rodeo 49 was, now. 49. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, really going into Laguna, we had six or seven all capable of winning the championship. And then it just blew up right there yeah. at Laguna blew up. And then since then, Cody has done what he needs to do to take advantage. I love it because I love Cody. I think he's a good dude, and uh, he works hard. He's running two classes. Uh, a couple of the other talkative things, I guess, in this was Gus. I thought Gus Rodeo rode super well, chasing Cody both races home. Uh, and then Kayla and Max Van, those guys, they trade places <laughs> at the line. Uh, Max gets Kayla on Saturday. Kayla gets max by even a shorter distance i think greg that there wasn't even half a wheel length between the two of those guys in both finishes yeah like combined cumulatively yeah you're probably yeah. right yep so 100%. yeah pretty good stuff pretty good stuff in that i mean Cody least championship what going what, into uh one point one point five six one like you know who's who's cody leading the points over over gus 
He's leading it over Gus. So yeah. with a 49, oh, so he's got to be basically leading by 50 when he leaves Jersey to win the championship. And yeah, because yeah, okay, he has it. more wins. Well, let's see. Hold on. Gus has one win, and there's got to be tied. So yeah, Gus yeah. would have to. Gus would have to go win-win. You know what I mean? And for some reason, yeah. And and so that that wouldn't be a thing for them if they were tied or whatever. You know. So yeah, because Cody's got more wins, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I mean, like right now, it was funny because. I won't get into the context of him, but Cody and I were trading some texts a little bit and he was talking about ideas like with the championship and stuff. And we were laughing the next day. Cause I'm like, man, you just, just need to go out and just do whatever you've been doing. Like, don't change anything. Just go do what you've been doing. And yeah. Next thing you know, he led morning warm up in the wet and then he, and then he ran away in the race. So yeah, good on him for that. Really good. And, uh, LaMondry, LaMondry Jr. And Kayla are tied basically in essence for third. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why they have Kayla in fourth at 196. It might mm-hmm. be based on, oh, it is based off podiums because both her and Joe have, have uh, two, race, same. two race wins amongst them. But anyway, yeah, Joe uh, had a, Joe had a, he had a rough weekend. I mean, like, yeah, he is a true championship contender. But he's guy going back just, home too. He's another local Jersey dude, right? Yeah. So that's another yeah. thing. You know, good kid, man. Yeah, I, like, look, all of them. I like all of them. I. Literally, they're all no. All the, the Owen Williams in, kid, in, I don't like him. He's yeah, you know, he's hard to deal with. I liked him he's, when he had his long hair, but when he cut his hair short, you know what I mean? Like he seemed to lose a little bit of his edge, and I'm not really sure. I think he you should know. grow it out, get earrings. <laughs> by the way, like maybe a by the nose way, ring. Jeff White ran into Kayla Yakov. Yeah, uh, up on the hill, I think he said, like she was watching. And of course, Jeff White's like, "Hey, Kayla, you know, hey, doing that? Yeah, Greg White's brother." Blah, blah, blah. Are you, are you doing, and he yeah. said she launched and she launched into busting my balls immediately. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? And now you're gonna have Owen doing it as he should. Like you're picking. Yeah, Owen definitely needs really? to step up and put me in my place for sure. Owen's Owen's the least likely to do that, but we got to get him nah, to do it. I he'll love do Owen. It, He's a good kid. That's why I'm busting the stones. He'll try to do it, but he'll be looking away from you with a sheepish grin while he's doing it. <laughs> so we, we got to get him to look you right in the face and. Give you some Bostonian stuff or whatever. Let's talk about stock thousand because Yeesh. the two guys, the the two guys that I think uh, deserve to be on Superbikes gave us a show uh, over the course of the weekend. And the first race, uh, Corey was leading and had a problem, and Hayden did what he needed to do. He went on and won the race over Andrew Lee, who again is um, southern for Michael Gilbert. Looks like he's going to be doing that for the year. Brandon Posh, dude, it's so stoked to see Brandon. Like Brandon, you like look. I have seen Brandon at his lowest this year in the pits. And it's nice that he's getting a handle on this thing on the thousand. Cause now he is a legitimate guy. That's like, he's like the legitimate podium top five guy. Travis Wyman ended up finishing fourth on Saturday, Greg, even though he didn't do any practicing that day. Oh, he was sick he was, as a dog, sick as a dog. He wasn't well, he wasn't well. And I heard he was suffering from a little vertigo too. After the fact, that's the biggest thing. Like I talked to him on Sunday and he's like, man, it's so crazy. Like, People were saying I was throwing up blood. He's like, I never threw up. And I'm like, yeah. you know. So he, he kind of gave me the rundown. Jeff May, Mesa, Coffee, Bobier, Dunham, and Corey Alexander ended up bringing it home in 10th to get some points, even though Hayden ended up winning. And in the second race, I mean, it was it's kind of what we've been waiting for, like to see a good head-to-head battle. This class has given us some great racing this year. But Corey has – every race that Corey finished coming into this, this race that he'd finished, he'd won. Um, and Hayden kind of gave him one, gave him one, obviously at, at Brainerd, because I think Hayden was on one there and would have won, had a bit of a problem at the end of the race. Corey won that one, but this one, these guys came together a little bit in turn nine 
And it's like when you look at it as objectively as you possibly can, Hayden knew Corey was there. Corey went through. And, man, we're talking millimeters, Greg. I've watched it a few times now. Like millimeter, like nothing of Corey, his tail section, and Gillum's bar coming together. And it just was enough to knock Gillum off. Um, I think Hayden was trying to really hold on to the position to maybe go back by Corey in the next left. Um, but it was a racing incident. 100% without question, racing incident. My opinion, same thing. Is it, and I think that and this I, what I, I've I, love, read, I love both those dudes. And I love the fact that they raced. And to be totally honest, race one, where Hayden won and Corey had a problem, when Corey didn't have the problem and he was actually going pretty decently, I mean, Hayden was reeling him in. Like, it was going to be the same kind of race, had, had you know, yeah. it, the, the way it was looking up until Corey had the problem. So, like, it wasn't like Corey had checked out and was to- totally gone and then he had a problem. It was Hayden was was after him. And oh, so, no, he was there. He yeah, was there 100%. Yeah. And so, he's figured out the starts a little bit. Yeah, And exactly. I'm with you. Yeah. But I, I, but I, but I, I think yeah. in this particular case, I mean, Corey – you, you can't say that Corey was to blame at all in this because Corey was already accelerating away from the corner. It's not like he was still trying to slow down and ran them wide or anything else. And Wasn't Hayden just didn't want to give up the position. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it happens. And, and you know, if, I heard that somebody protested somebody, or, you know, and you just sit there. Well, going no, talk like, about, I mean, it sounded like the team protested and I'm sitting there and I'm like, what are you protesting? Like number one, Number one, I will tell you this. Even though I've got relationship with Corey and I have for many years, if the shoe was on the other foot, I would 1,000% say that Hayden didn't do anything wrong. Like if, if the shoe was on the other foot, yeah, he made the pass on Corey in that particular case. Like, and, and Hayden is the guy that will literally race. He's going to have a go at you at the end of the race, no matter what. And that's what I love about oh, him. And that's, that. yeah. who, and that's who he is. He's and, a fighter. And, and Corey, and I'll just, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, maybe I should, but like, I was even got, a, I got text messages from Corey this morning that even said, I just wish it wouldn't have ended up like that. Like, I wish that me and Hayden, I, I wish that we both would have finished. I wished, you know, he did, this Corey, Corey doesn't want that to be the case. Like they have a would high you, level of Would you say that Corey would have been okay had it been a drag race to the line and Hayden just, just pipped him at the line, but, but enjoyed the race. As, okay. Yes. 100%. No racer likes to lose. Right. But, but I can promise you right now, I can promise you right now, if it was a very, very good hard race and he got beat by the line doing everything he could, like let's say, let's say that for argument's sake that Hayden passed him in the last corner if they would have kept going and finished. Yeah. Um, it would have been like, hey, this is great. It was great for the championship. It's a great race. I can already hear kind of what Cora's narrative would have been. Um, so yeah, 100%. But, but you and, know what, Jason? I think Hayden would have been the same way. I agree. And, right? he, and, and even had Corey said, just kind of yeah. picked him at the line. Like, like th- that's just kind of the high, what racer mentality those two guys have. And they have been racing each other for years. For and years. not only that, but like Hayden on Saturday said, you know what? I don't want to win a race like that with Corey having an issue. Corey yeah. said the same thing at Brainerd. Right. I don't want to win a race like that. That's with, what I'm talking with about. Hayden having a problem. They're, they're the same guys and they're going to race you fair and they're going to race you tight. And there's a championship on the line. And it's just a bummer that Hayden fell, but you know, I'll be honest. I haven't seen too many people saying that there was anything egregious there because there just wasn't. So Brandon Posh finished third, the first day, uh, third, the first day, um, and third, the second day. So he had two solid finishes. Uh, Andrew Lee ended up fourth, the second day, Travis Wyman first day ends up 
ended up fourth and uh, I'm sorry. And yeah, ended up uh, fourth and then came back and finished second, the second day he felt better on Sunday. And if I'm being honest, I thought Travis rode so good and he was a good teammate in the sense that, you know, when you have a teammate that's battling for a championship and Travis is not out of that championship, Greg, and you could kind of almost, I could anyways tell that it didn't look like Travis was going to put himself in any compromising positions to do anything to Corey that would, that would make a huge error. You know, yeah. I thought Travis, he was the first one I went to like when, when he came in the winter circle and I knew he'd been a bit ill on Saturday. And I said, man, I said, dude, regardless of any of what just happened and you finishing second, I said, you rode really well and you were a great teammate because you didn't, give the feel that you were going to do anything stupid or anything crazy to win. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. So yeah, Chantra. Yeah. We'll get to that in a little bit. (laughs) Will we? Uh, We're going. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Let's go. uh, Let's just go. uh, What do you want to do? What do you, what what Uh, we'll just, we'll just talk about twins cup. Uh, You you know, neither, I think neither one of us really saw this race because we were, we were doing stuff. I mean, race one was good. Blake Davis ends up beating Caleb DeCarroll by, 53 thousandths of a second. Hayden Schultz. Galati was in fourth. Dominic Doyle in fifth. Maziato, Ventura, Wyman, Cody uh, in eighth place. Hobbs, Jody Berry. And then uh, second race in Revit Twins Cup, Corey Ventura ends up beating Blake Davis by 28 thousandths of a second. Yeesh. 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 Um, How about the 10 10 lap race? Dom Doyle, Jay, finished third. And then Cody Wyman in fourth. Caleb DeCarroll and so on. If we look at that championship, we have uh, Blake Davis now leads it by one point over Maziato. Remember, we had like Maziato wow. one point over Jody Berry. So now you have Blake Davis, who's got one point over Maziato, who's got four points over Jody Berry. Oh my goodness. So the top three in that championship are separated by five freaking points. Then you have Caleb DeCarroll, only 33 back, and Hayden Schultz, 34 back, and Corey Ventura, 40. The problem is, and I apologize, I don't have the schematic in front of me to say how many Twins Cup races are left in the season. I don't well, know. Well, there's three guys. There's three guys in it right now. And right. I, I'd love to say that that Caleb's still in it, but 33 points back seems a little bit a little bit further away. Not saying that it can't happen, because it definitely can. But Maziato and Barry just had brutal weekends. Like yeah. I'm looking at the race two results. Jody ended up ninth. Maziato ended up tenth. And then I mean, is this is this I mean, Maziato ends up sixth in the first, you said, I think, yeah. Greg, and, yeah. and Jody Berry 10th. I mean, what is going on? Jody Berry, I don't know how many races he won this year, but he won a bunch of races, and it looked like this championship was over. I think at one point he had like a 60-point leader, yeah, five-point leader. Yeah, it was ginormous. It was like, okay. I don't know if there's – I don't know what's going on. For both those guys to be that far back is puzzling to me. I know that um, when I look at the lap times, race one, Maziato went 48-6 as his best lap. And in race two, he went 49-6 as his best lap. So I'm not exactly sure. I mean, Yamaha, I Yamaha locked out the podium in race two. You know, Yamaha's looked faster to me. They, they, I, I, I just think that they handle a little bit better than the Aprilia. It's kind of the balance of Twins Cup. The Aprilia is a little faster, especially coming off the okay. corner than the Yamaha. I think they have a little bit more motor. And that's kind okay. of the balance of it. You know, so... You know, when we look at that, I mean, for sure, we know that like super sport times and stock thousand times are really close. Like it, Pittsburgh tends to be more of a super a middleweight type of, you know, racetrack. Like it, it promotes okay. better handling than it does like raw horsepower, put it that way. Right, so, right, right, right. You know, may, maybe that was some of the case in, in this situation. Either way, you know, definitely get Moto America's app. You know, you can you can buy it, I think, you know, race to race. 
it's it's so worth going back and watching these these riders race it up because it's I wish I would have watched that race too. I mean I'm gonna did, go back I'm gonna this, go back and watch the race too because um I'll tell you what first five Corey Ventura first five guys were under a first five guys were under a second. A second, yeah. And Corey Ventura wrote one off. I mean, he destroyed the MP thirteen Yamaha to the point where Melissa told me she was like, dude, he he bent the he bent the shaft in the shock. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that. It was so bad. Like, he, he wanted. I bet she was stoked. Yeah. She goes, it was like consignment sale. Like, I was like, oof. She was actually in okay, like, she was in okay spirits by the time I got, you know, like, the, by the time I saw her. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure that she was bouncing off the rev limiter at some point there. So, but to come back and win Corey Ventura to pay her. And, you know, the team back, you know, for their efforts and stuff, I think is great. You know, look, man, we got the arrival of Blake Davis. I mean, Blake Davis was Dude, so pumped for him. Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, looks like you a know, hockey, looks like a hockey player on the on the uh, on the podium interviews. Looks like a hockey player. Yeah. yeah With does. that tooth missing. It's great. <laughs> I'm glad Heron gave us that little story. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You heard that story. Yeah. So anyway, pretty good. So that's uh, that's Moto America, man. Um, you know, Jersey, Jersey's next. Yeah, Jersey's next. Uh, Grips at a premium. Uh, Petrucci's already been there, and when I asked him about it, he rolled his eyes and didn't really say much. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, he just went on a street bike or whatever. So you know, I think, I think that if if on the superbike side of things, if Petrucci can somehow, if it rains and Petrucci, you know, like if this championship is close at Barber. I think that the Ducati is going to like Barber more than it's going to like Jersey. It's just, Look, it's my gut. I feeling. couldn't agree with you more. I talked to somebody today and I said basically that the R1s are going to be, I don't know, they're, they're just going to be better around there. The Ducati looks so horrible last year. I hope it gets better. I hope, I hope it goes great for him. Yeah. But it's going to be the, the problem for Danilo is this. If he has to deal with Skoltz and Cam Peterson there on the same bikes and who knows what the BMWs are going to bring because they tested there too. If I just feel like that was Ducati's worst track last year, it was yeah. Bumpy. I mean, Ducati should just ship over Jack Miller for one race and see if he can help Petrucci win this championship. Oh my god, huh? That'd be great. All right, yeah. speaking uh, of Jack Miller, why don't we? <laughs> why don't we? Let's go to MotoGP results. I got him up. G Dub, Frank right. Bagnaya, Quattraro, Miller. Your podium at Red Bull uh, in Austria this weekend. Unbelievable. Seeing that new chicane, I don't know if I was a fan. I don't know if the riders were fans, but it did its job, I suppose. The race wasn't the most exciting. I think that the fight that Quattoraro put up will be the one that you talk about for a long time because he mentioned this race and a couple others as being the two that were going to be his very, very toughest. He did what he needed to do and kept Alicia Spargo behind him, but Bagnaya is going to be a bit of a menace, it looks like, because he did win over Quattoraro and Jack Miller. Marini ends up fourth. What a great fourth, huh? Zarco fifth. Aleish finishes Shut up on the Marini thing. I traded him out in fantasy for someone who was a donkey. How am I going to call you an idiot when I'm 273rd in our league? Nice work. (laughs) Aleish is 6th. Brad Bender 7th. Alex Ren 8th. Bedzeki ends up ninth. Jorge Martin, man, he had a go, didn't he? He did have a go. He He did. He had a go. Give the guy credit. And you know what, dude? When they showed his team, they were kind of like, all right. Like, yeah, they it was really, really funny. Too, they, think they? they were all on board with the program. He gave it a go and tucked the front and it wasn't the normal, you know, Latin, you know, the, Italian, ah, you know, it was like, yeah. all right, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did. It happened. And then you got, after that, you got, uh, Digi Antonio, uh, Oliveira, Vinales went backwards, man. Alex Marquez, Donkey. 
Davizioso. How about the, how about this? He had a good weekend for him for what's been going on. How about Davizioso beating Paul Spargo? Dude, beating, how often I mean, have we Hawk. seen it? You announce you're going to another uh, team. You announce you're retiring, and all of a sudden you get faster. It's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, but 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 how about Honda? They are just – they got to be praying Who? every night that this – I mean, Honda is so bad. Again, they don't – I mean – Jay, I swear, Mark, Cowie, Mark has Cowie could go dust off their oh. old freaking, you know – it's what was that thing dude. that they, you know, the G, their, their old know. GP bike? They could dust that thing off and probably run with Honda now. It seems like they're so bad. What were your take? What are your takeaways in this race? Uh, Quadraro. Like, I mean, it. Quadraro, you know, he tried a different tire. He wasn't completely comfortable with it. He kept crashing. I think he said, like, losing the front in turn four or something like that. And I just thought that, you know, it was the rate, the way the race played itself out really was advantageous for Quadraro meaning mm-hmm. it really got spread out so he could he could keep the tire cool and keep the front tire underneath him and then he would run up on somebody he would attack so fast i mean like right. really fast yeah so that was amazing i mean obviously peko with three race wins is is great three race wins in a row is great um but you know the other thing is peko doesn't have the pressure of the championship anymore in my opinion and so i think right. when you pile the pressure of the championship you 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 look at it dude it was like holy crap I mean, dude, it was like eight Ducatis and Quattararo in practice would be like wedged right in the middle of them, you know? Right. And right. and the, the honestly, Quartz bike didn't look completely outgunned at times as it has in the past. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think Quattararo is probably the big deal. I like what I'm seeing from Jack Miller. Obviously, again, hey, you're leaving the Ducati factory and then all of a sudden he's got three podiums in the last four races. Incredible, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, but but I mean, look. He's not leaving on bad terms. I mean, he no, I mean, they love him over there, dude. Everybody, how can you not love Jack Miller? Like everybody loves Jack Miller. I, it's great, and it's weird because again, between the two VR forty six boys with Marini and Bedzecki, it's always like one is quite a bit ahead <laughs> of the other, yeah. but it can switch each week. It's it's weird. Um, it looked like Mir broke his ankle or something. Yeah, like, he see that? he broke like a lot of little bones. I think you know Ugh. what I mean. Kind of kind of thing. It's. It's not like he that shattered sucks. it, but there's like a little bit here, a little bit there. So that stinks. I mean, he yeah. high sided the shit out of himself. But right honestly, now, he's not he's he's not putting up a really gnarly good account for himself to like. No, but I think I heard that he's already signed. That he's already signed with Repsol. So I don't really. Is he? Okay. Yeah, well, I think so. Go. But honestly, Jay, this wasn't really a big like telling weekend. You know, with eight to go, I think we've pretty much settled into who's going to win, who's not. I think the biggest yep. thing is is that the the Aprilia really struggled and Aleish, you know, Aleish I thought had a really good ride. He was buried back in the pack. I had more, you know, scheduled for Vinales and that type of stuff, but I thought it was pretty good. I did too. I thought he would do better. I wonder why he went backwards. That's that is the trippy part to me about Vinales. Like it's almost like when one or two guys go by, it's like, eh. he like just I don't want to say he throws in the towel. I don't know what his reasonings are. But it's the same inconsistencies that you saw with him on the Yamaha, right? Yeah. I mean, he does these things where it's like, ah, oh, he puts third, then he puts second, and he almost won the race at Donington, and then the next weekend he finishes, whatever he finished, what, 13th? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, it's weird It's, to it's me. baffling, but obviously, you know, he's got win potential in him, and maybe that's what Aprilia is getting him for development, and they're getting him for five wins a year. You know what I mean? And yeah. they don't really, you know, and, and you say Aleish is going to be in it, leaning in it for the championship. Who knows? But, but um, is he going to, we, we got to see him win five races, let alone win five races. A I year. mean, I, I think mean, it's, I think next year it's coming. I do think next year it's coming. I mean, you know, who knows yeah. again with eight races he to kinda, go, anything can happen. Vinales wakes up one morning and it's all of a sudden he's, you know, 
he's the race winner. If if, if what if, about if everything clicks? What if, what about Bastiani? That was a weird deal. Like oh, oh so this is what happened, Jay. Do you so, know what happened? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bastianini loses the rear, and he gets pushed okay. wide. And at the angle he was at, the front tire hit those, um, hit the um, the uh, ripple, the ripple bumps that are the curb. You know how the curb have those? Yes. Okay. And he broke the front wheel. Did he really? It, it lost tire pressure. Jesus. Yep. So wow. like just that's sketch, absolute. Dude. That is so sketch. It, it, but it was just Greg. An, have you ever lost pressure in a tire? I, yeah, yeah, but but the only time I've lost pressure in a tire, which has happened two or three times, is rear. Super e- easier to manage, it's, right? Like way easier too, to manage. A front? When you have a front flat. Oof. It is the worst ever. I've had it a couple times, obviously, and it's it's no good. No, it's no good. It like it. The bike doesn't turn. It won't steer, and you're yeah, dude. You don't really know good. what's going on in the moment. You're like, what? You know what I mean? I would imagine I trying him, to assess. I watched him right off the track, and I'm like, uh oh. Like this is not a good thing here. It's not good. No. So, man. And yeah. The commentator said what I would have said too. A brake issue. You know what? I mean? Like actually, what it's I initially what it, it's what it looked like though, huh? You know what it looked like to me actually, and I made this comment when I was watching it with someone that morning. It it almost looked like there was an electronic problem with uh with um uh engine braking. That's kind of uh, what yeah. it looked like more than oh, because it was like freewheeling in. Yeah, it just kind of had that. Yeah. like it didn't look brake brakes look look different to me um, when you have a problem. But anyway, other than that, Jay, I don't think there's a lot of takeaways to this. I think you know Quadraro still has a healthy lead in the championship, and I think that if Quadraro wins this championship, which it look it looks pretty good right now, that he's going to look yeah. back on a couple key races, and this will be one of them that allowed him to yeah. win this championship. I mean. No Dude, question. he only gave away five points to anybody in the entire field by finishing second. So, well, he he lengthened his point lead, right? Yeah, essentially he did. I mean, I know you can say Bagnaya closed in on him, but he lengthened his point lead. And I think that he's really by watching that interview he had. Uh, I think it was at Donington. He really just, I think he's hunkering down these next three races and realizing that these are the three races that are hard for him, being Mizano coming up, and I think Aragon was the other one that he mentioned. Those three. He kind of said, these are three races that are really good for the Ducati. And I mean, look, dude, he's fighting eight Ducatis and he beat seven of them. Eight. He's so, got zero help from the other zero guys help. on Yamaha. He doesn't have any help. And I mean, got no help I mean, from Morbidelli Honda. again, Morbidelli <laughs> crashed. I mean, he's like, he's, yeah, he's on an island, isn't he? I mean, he is. So, which is going to make right, it Moto all two. that much more. All right, Moto Two, my boy Ayogura wins. The Your time boy. is inconsequential. Uh, Somcat Chantra, his teammate, ends up in second place. Jake Dixon had a street fight on his hands with Pedro Acosta coming back from injury and Augusto Fernandez, who's been the hot hand as of late. Jake Dixon ends up winning that battle. So third place, Acosta fourth, Fernandez in fifth. You have Aaron Kinnett, uh Lopez, who's been really fun to watch race in seventh. Yeah. Marcel Schroeder, Arenas, Alcoba, Navarro in 12th place is Barry Baltus. 13th is Cam Bobier, 14th is Joe Roberts, and then Bo Ben Schneider, your last point scorer in that one. Um, you know, a couple things. Ayagura kind of dominated the weekend. He looked great. He now takes over the championship by like one point, I believe, over Augusto Fernandez. Late in the race, though, Jason, Somcat Chantra <laughs> had pace. <laughs> and, you know, apparently he gets a board that says okay two or two okay or whatever. And Chantra said, I don't give a shit. And with like two laps to go or two turns to go. Two turns shot, to go. Yeah. Two turns to go. Throws a shot at Ayagura for the lead. 
And I just was like, you, you're the man, dude. Like, just, I, I don't care what my pit board says, man. I understand everything, but I can't imagine. I, I don't know why I grew I got a photo with him. I've met his sister a couple times. Like, that's about as far as it goes. But if you're a racer, I, I don't want to be handed it. I, if, if I saw my teammate's board that said second okay, and by the way, you could ask Wayne Rainey about this too, okay? And, and Wayne will tell you the same thing. I don't want to see it. Race for it. You know, race for I it. Because there's a situation so, when I God, I just heard the story too. When Wayne, I was Luca Catalora. I think it was teamed with Wayne, and yes. Luca was supposed to help Wayne win, and Luca just blew by him and finished second. And and Wayne said, "Hey, man, that's yours to win." And uh, Kenny Roberts like hit the rev limiter and was pissed. Yep, pissed. Yep, I remember. I yeah, remember I was telling you. Yeah, just I think, recently, I did. I think Chuck told us the story, didn't he? He might. Yeah, I think it was him. And then I went and talked to Wayne about it afterwards. So great. And, and Wayne was like, he was like two. He was two channels. One channel was like, hey, as a racer, I'm like, hey, you know, I congratulated him. But there was the championship. You know what I mean? It was really kind of funny. But uh, but, but Wayne man, Wayne this- leaned more on Lucas' side than he did on Kenny Roberts' side. Hundred percent. Greg, when you look at the championship, though, we still have a ton of racing to do. Like. Yeah, we have eight, eight like, races left. Yeah, so you guys, who gives you a guys shit? gotta know. You, you guys gotta know, okay? That I love when when G Dub gets on a little rant, okay? So he 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 says to me that morning, <laughs> "I'm on my way to the track." Did you see the Moto Two race? I said, "No, I haven't seen it yet." He's like, he's like, he's like, oh, last two laps, you got to turn the volume up. I want to get your opinion on something. He's just losing his shit, which is just typical G Dub cracking up. Never happens, so he, people. Come on. So he, so I put Moto2 race on, and we had done our stand-ups that morning. And so there was, like, some practices going on. So we were watching our monitors and kind of watching what's going on because it was rain practice Sunday morning. And I got the Moto2 race on. And I'm really distracted because I got people around me, and we're just, you know, we're not on TV. We're not doing anything. We're just talking to people. I think Raj was there and stuff. So I'm kind of looking over the Moto2 race. Three to go. Greg's like, oh, turn your volume down. Mute it. Mute it. Mute it. Like, okay. <laughs> Greg's like the he's like the guy that you don't want to know has gone to the movie before you, okay? Because he's gonna go, oh yeah, oh let me tell you about this one part. No, no, Greg, I don't no, know I, about the what? movie. Just shut up. All I so say is you like enjoy the race. That's all. That's as far as I go. Just shut, just shut up. What about what? Yeah, whatever. Anyways, so I put it you on have mute. Have a flight to catch. Let's go. I put it on mute, okay? And with two to go, I think they're literally coming across the line. He goes, now in your opinion, does it look at all like Chantra's? <laughs> Doesn't want to go past. And I'm like, yeah, that was, that so was I, a little so, bit of a giveaway. So, so I'm kind of imagining what the, what the commentators are saying at this stage. Cause I don't know anything. And I'm like, no, no. To me, it looks like Chantra wants to win the race. That's what I think. Oh, it was a, you're just a beauty. You're just a beauty. We get your point. Okay. Anyway. So that's that good race. Good championship. <laughs> Watch moto two. I'm going to move on to Moto3 because you don't really know Moto3. But I'm going to... Sasaki wins. Dude, Sasaki wins. Did he? Dude. Sasaki, Do I got to watch it now? Is it is it worth S- watching? Sasaki had a double long lap penalty after the first oh, long lap penalty. Right? Because remember last race he did... And he's in winner's circle. And he's like, I messed up. I got penalized. Jason... After the first long lap penalty, he's 17th. He goes yeah. and gets does the second long lap penalty. I think the lap after, he's 21st. Yeah. With 12 laps to go, he took the lead over, and no one passed him back. Wow. He was un- Are you kidding? Freaking 
believable. But he only won by 64 thousandths of a second over Suzuki, huh? Yeah, but Suzuki was better than Sasaki in the final sector, especially coming on. But the Honda had nothing for the Husqvarna. Let me just explain something. I'm looking at the results because I had to because I'm not going to get a chance to watch it before I get on the plane. But the fact that Sasaki, Suzuki, Munoz, and Anchu are your top four and they all finished. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that is just a shocker to me. Uh, they finished. They finished point three of apart apart from each other. The top four could have been cut, and those four would be the least likely to finish. Actually, Sasaki is actually pretty good. Like I know he he hit Garcia at the last round, but, yeah, but dude, in in traffic, but he's not. He doesn't have that reputation like the others. No, in traffic, he broke the track record three times in a row. In traffic, wow. like when he was, I think eighth, then moved up to sixth. That, you know what I mean? Broke track record. I think ultimately it was it was Munoz. Is that right? Who had the fastest lap of the race? Wow. Yeah, David Munoz, a 140.910. And I think that Sasaki in traffic had done it at like a 140.95. Amazing. Or so, you know, something like that. But, Amazing. Yeah, and yeah, Garcia yeah. Beat, I see Garcia beat Guevara so that for the points. I think Garcia, I think Garcia would be leading now. And then Fazia ends up 12th. So he's... But yeah, the, o- the only the only not classification we had was Tatai. That's it. A twenty nine wow. riders finished this race. Like it it was, it was good. There was there was a group, and then it, it was like it's hard to explain it, but it's like Sasaki would come through and pass people, and it was almost like they'd lose their will. You know what I mean? And then a, like a, a group of three would drop off, and then wow. and then he would pass another couple, and then it, so his, his deal kind of broke things up with a couple laps to go, four laps to go. I, those top five, I think, were kind of grouped together. Well, what and happened then, to Jami Masia? He's twenty seconds back. Oh, you know what? Yeah, he he ended up crashing and picking the bike up. Oh, he did. Okay, yeah, that, that would that would make sense. And I mean, I'm even looking at like guys like uh, Andre Mino. Yeah, Car- like Carrasco 23rd. ended up getting a long lap penalty. There were three, I want to say two or three long lap penalties assessed. Ricardo Rossi got one. I I'm pretty sure Masia crashed, picked it up. But, yeah, dude, I, I mean, watch, it was – what Sasaki did was – I mean, it was just next level, dude. It was next yeah. level. And once he got to the front, he, 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 he dropped that pace by two or three-tenths of a second. But that was enough to kind of shatter the field into those bits you see, you know, where the top four. And then you have uh, Garcia a, a, down to uh, Holgado, who was also right up front, you know. So there, there were. It was, uh, it was a very entertaining race, but more so because you just watched Sasaki, and the reason I wanted you to watch it because you're just like, can we stop with these long lap penalties? They don't do anything, you know, really other doing, than just really doing a all great job. Risk, you know, yeah. it's like really doing a great job over there, guys. So stupid, <laughs> dude. It's, it's and so you should have seen Biaggi's face. Max Biaggi's face was just great. I mean, it was just because right, that's his team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's Biaggi's Stelgada team or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was really good, yeah. but. That's so, awesome. So no real takeaways, you know, from that. I think five Sus- point lead now for Garcia. Right, Sasaki's like fourth in the championship, I believe. <laughs> yeah, he's fourth. Dennis Foggia, the guy who was like, I think everybody kind of earmarked to win the championship. He struggled. One forty four. So he's he's a long way back now. He's over fifty points back. So it's uh, Sasaki, man. He's the one that won the. He should have won the first race of the year. I mean, he would have been a. He had to sit out a race. I think he sat out the race prior to Donington. Mm-hmm. So he's, yeah, but anyways, well, that's good, man. I, uh, fantasy wise, G-Dub, I got to look it up. I, do you, I got it. You I have said it up, you yeah. got, all right, good. You do that. Cause 
I didn't see. Uh, yeah. So hey, everybody. Yeah. You know, we have uh, MotoGP fantasy. So it's it's fantasy.motogp.com. We have a league, Greg's Garage Pod with Jason Pridmore, and we have currently 341 players, which is great. Um, you know, feel free to join us and have some fun. You know, we do occasionally look at all. Like, if you look at all Grand Prix, we are giving away an Arai helmet, which is which is awesome uh, to the winner. Uh, Slotus Stoked continues to lead the way, 1,372 mm. points with three WSMC champs, 124 points. So so three WSMC champs actually made up a couple of points, like five. Okay. So um, I only I only actually scored 110 points, but I think the high was probably about 129 and a half. Jeez, that's, so, that's like a joke. That's yeah, it's it's pretty good. A couple people. I need to, I need to add like I need to add like three more riders to my team. And <laughs> I can maybe score. Just give you points. like six riders I and just s- call it a day. Yeah, G Dub, I moved up. I moved up. I actually moved up this week, and I'm two seventy six. I, I moved I, up, dude. I I stayed exactly the same, forty first. I know my boy Dan Yazza. He slipped from tenth to thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you he's do, going though? backwards, huh? Because he's been he was doing good. He was like top five at one point. Yeah, he was, but he choked it up. But Barrett, sixty-five racing. Oh, Do you know God. who that is? I. Oh yeah, I know who that is. He won the week, hundred and forty-six points. Out. Yeah, with, he told me he uh, TGKC eight eleven. Hundred forty-six points. Real now, TGKC eight eleven has got no turbos, and and Simon's got Barrett Racing has got one. So he had. Where he he turboed Bagnaya and he made all the right moves. I, I'm looking at these teams; they're worth 20 million. My team's worth 14, yeah, or 15 or something. Does he have I, the it's sa- a joke. Does he have the same? He has the same no, no. exact JP. No, he yeah. has the he he has the exact same uh, what, team that what I. What place have. is he, what place is he in? 49th. So I'm still a little I'm ahead just, of him. I'm just getting he, owned by everybody. Yeah. Riding and sliding was third oh, yeah. for the week at 142. Fat Cats in fifth. Aussie That's Electric not you, racing. is it? Join us, Greg's Garage Pod with Jason Pridmore. I stink. Fantasy. Really, bad, really bad. You can really still get bad. I did take, hey, I huh? did take the lead back in Uncle Skip's league. Oh, you did? Does he Antonio did me right in Uncle Skip's league? Yeah, you got lucky on that one. Carruthers, Carruthers had a few words you, about that behind your back i'm gonna have to write i'm gonna have to write you a check for as many like overall point totals you've got in this moto gp fantasy thing in uncle skips like it's i literally finally picked again and another dnf like i no 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 like we've got the same bet with like you and me and chuck and uncle skip yeah and um i can't i can't believe this i'm forgetting anyways yeah there's another one that you're leading you're killing us Oh, yeah. yeah, we have no. Yeah, you you you're you don't even know that you're killing us, and you're killing us. That's how bad that is. Oh, okay, it's cool. Just, just sucks. Cool me. Yeah, I, I'm paying you every week in that. I'm gonna just have to write you a check at the end of the year. Sweet. That's uh, yeah. I'll take that check. By the way, and I'll cash the shit out of it. Hold on. And nobody said it would cash. It's um. <laughs> I'll bounce this. Sh- yeah, you can. Like you've got uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You've won eight. You've won eight total. I've won two. Chuck's won five. So I, and Skip's won. No, Chuck's won one. Skip's won one. I've won two. I'm not even as bad. I'm better than them in this. And I stink. <laughs> You've won everything. Yeah. yeah. Impressive. All right. Well. Yeah. <sighs> um, okay. Um, so Jay, here's the thing. Next week, no road racing. I believe there's flat track. All right. 
and Promoto or something like okay. that. Okay. So, right. so the question is for you, because I know you're going to be in Europe and all that kind of stuff. And I know people love it when you're back for sure. Do you want to try to do something, even though we really don't have much to talk about, or would you like me to just interview, you know, interview somebody um, and and do the podcast like that for next week, you know, to have Either some way. content for yeah, people? What, we'll, we'll talk about it. If I'm in a place where I can do it with you, I'll do it. Good. Okay. All right. Yeah, we could do whatever. And then even if we want to get somebody on, if, if we're in a place and we can coordinate times, I'll do it with you. Well, yeah. I mean, if you were sitting with someone, you know, and you, you actually have your microphone with you in your luggage. I do have my microphone with me in my luggage. I do. I yeah. got it back from Troy. Troy, Troy, like I told you, he shipped it to his house in Idaho for some reason instead of shipping it to Euro my house. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be quite the trip. I'm looking forward to it. I get to board here in about, I don't know. What is it? Eh, hour and a half. I'm less than two hours. I'm less than two hours away. I've chewed up seven hours. It's a lot nicer in these lounges. I can tell you that. Yeah, buddy. Got to treat yourself when it's we travel nicer. like we travel, especially now. A lot of flight cancellations yeah. as of late, you know. That's so, been pretty solid. So I actually um, ran in, right, I, I ran into yeah. uh I ran into a, a guy. You do you remember all those years ago when I got the F sixteen ride? Yes. So so the guy who was in the squadron who was with us, um, this guy named Zed, he came to the races, came to the booth, and I hadn't seen him in quite a while. And uh he was retired, you know, F sixteen pilot and he's a you know, was flying commercial uh and during COVID, they offered early retirement, and he took it. And he was telling me how there's just this wave of people who took it, and it's really caught the airlines on their back foot as demand yep. has increased so much. So, yeah, it's it's part of the issue. I mean, there's still people getting yeah. sick, There's but there's a lack of planes, there's a lack of pilots, there's a lack of flight attendants, a lack of ticket agents. You know, it's 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 one of those deals where and we're, we're, it's, it's kind of the new reality we live in for quite a while because people are not wanting to be pilots for a living. They, it's, they're having a real hard time backfilling you know, with new pilots, period. I got a couple friends like right now, Anthony, um, my boy Lugnut, Anthony Norton, um, his girlfriend Stacy's doing it right now. She's just going through the process of trying to be a pilot, uh, Great. get her pilot's license and all that. So she's doing it. And you know, as, as far as that goes to GW real quick, cause I forgot, I really wanted to mention this and I think it's something that you and I both really believe in, but, um, we need we need some more volunteers for our races at Motor America because when it comes to corner workers and things like that, it's it's those are kind of the unsung heroes of what our series is all about. You know, the volunteers that come out and help us. And literally right now, it's that's even been running just a little bit short, like having the necessary people to do it. And I know that all of Motor America, the staff and everything, they're they're stretched and. You know, I know I notice it. They notice it. A lot of people notice it. And I don't think people realize that it's probably a pretty simple call to make. Um, you and I should probably have a number or even contact Greg or I, and we can at least put you in touch with the right people. If corner workering ever seems like something that you'd like to be a part of, um, I don't know exactly how it works. I think, doesn't it pay $10,000 per day or something? It does not. It, oh, it definitely doesn't? does not. But Jason, with, with, with that Chuck, said. I thought it was $10,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With that said, though, what we'll start doing is uh, we'll start bringing it up at the beginning of the podcast, beginning with next week's podcast. We'll give yep. you the information that you need. If there's a number to call or a website to go to, um, we would love to have you at the racetrack, trackside, helping with this situation. Uh, it, you know, it, it's volunteer based. There are some perks that come with it. 
Uh, yeah, I know. I I know they get some stuff back in return for it, and um, I mean, you get to sit there trackside. I you know, and and so we 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 could definitely sometimes you, know, you get riders. to sometimes you get to meet your favorite riders, even if it's not at the best moment, but you get to meet them. So, yeah, you know, they might be a little bit fired up, but <laughs> yeah. but I can tell you right now, there's not a rider in the paddock that doesn't appreciate the people in white that that help us at these races, and we realize the risks that are involved and stuff. But I think it's also a really fun thing as a fan if you can come and be a part of that and be a part of the show. And, and, uh, I mean, man, you're not going to get any closer to the racing than that. So if that's something that interests you, by all means, please contact Greg or I or Moto America directly and, uh, see if we can get the last two rounds, especially Jersey and, um, and Barber filled out and, and get some, some, uh, extra help out there for us. So it, I'll, I'll try to find out the information and put it in the, in the, description of this podcast with a link of some sort or a number or something that you can call if you're fired up about it and you want to help out at jersey or barber yeah uh, and be great then, and, and then for, we'll do it yeah. i'll do it again i'll keep including that link and then uh yeah so we could definitely use everybody's help and it'd be really nice to meet you for sure yep all, all right. right man well g-dub i'm gonna get ready for my flight so i'll end it with uh I just want to thank all the fans up on the hill at jersey that i got the chance to talk to on friday everybody was great at i was pittsburgh i was at Pittsburgh, sorry, I was borrowing their shade, G Dub. It was hot, so I was like, there was all these tents up, and there was nobody under them, so I would just kind of like go sneak underneath there and be there, and then they showed up. So, and they were great to me. Everybody was super cool. They know that you and I like to harass each other. And on an end note, I got to see, well, I the coolest white brother. I, I didn't get to see Jay for very long. I got to talk to him, but Jeff White. I mean, I don't know how you turned out the way you did, and he turned out the way he did. But you got to love Jeff White, don't you, G-Dub? I know he's not going to answer me right now. We'll see everybody. We'll talk to you soon if I'm allowed back on the podcast later.